This is the Divine Comedy Cafe, where we take a closer look at church culture in the postmodern era, ways of thinking, and ways of acting, and how all of these have to be correlated. I'm your host, Dr. David Colbert. Without further ado, let's dive in. Grab a cup of coffee. Let's talk. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is week two of me doing this little project. Uh, I really appreciate all the feedback that y'all have given me so far. Um, and honestly, I, I just, I hope that this is a blessing to your life that, that y'all walk out of here. If you guys don't know, I'm a good Southern boy. So I say y'all, I pray that y'all get something from this, um, I firmly, firmly believe that right thoughts um, enhance uh, right actions. I think, I think if you don't have the correct thoughts, you don't have the correct mentality, then your actions are not going to follow um, to be correct actions. If we think wrongly, we will act wrongly, um, right? Jesus says something similar in the word. He says, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Um, and the heart was a euphemism for the mind, the will, uh, the emotions. So out of the abundance of what our mind thinks, um, we speak a certain way, we act a certain way, and we live a certain way. So um, I just pray that as we're all on this journey, myself included, to um, to live better, to live more like Jesus, um, and to act more like him, I, I truly pray that this podcast is an exercise in thought of, uh, of ways that we can think better so that we can live better. Um, to think more Christ-like means to uh, act more Christ-like, to focus on things that are above rather than below. But I could keep going uh, on that note for a minute. But this episode really is all about thought, um, some types of thinking uh, that are a bit dangerous um, in the Christian world. And I also want to say um, that this episode, I'm going to keep it as edited as I possibly can, but this episode may um, be a little more mature uh, for some than uh, than others. This may be more of a mature audience's episode. Um, also kind of giving a small trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, um, just because we're going to touch on some sensitive topics um, moving forward. So uh, before we get started, I want to let you know that as I'm recording this episode, I'm actually staring at my house being built. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I, I keep hitting the table because I talk with my hands. Um, the uh, I, I'm in the process of, of getting my house built. Uh, started this journey. Uh, my wife and I started this journey back in 2022. Um, around March, uh, I think around the time of our anniversary, we decided that we wanted to build. Um, and as we went through this process, it was a long process, had to go through some hoops to get the land uh, acquired and, and handed over to us um, from the previous owners of the land. And, <clears throat> and anyway, we, it spilled into 2023 
finally the grading process began in September. So I've been watching my house, um, get, you know, get put up and, um, you know, the most essential part of the house. And right now it's all the siding is on drywall is being installed right now. Um, you know, we, we're, we're looking on, you know, hopefully being moved in in the next few months. Um, if everything continues to go according to plan, anybody who's listening, please continue uh, to lift us up in prayer. Um, but the most important aspect of building the house is not the siding. It's not even the framework. Um, it's not the drywall. It's not the installation of, of pipes. It's not electrical. Um, it, it all starts with how strong the foundation is. Because with the foundation, the framework can go up. And after the skeleton of the house is built, then you can fill it in with what makes the house the house. Um, But if a house is on a faulty foundation, if any building is on faulty foundation, it's not going to withstand pressure. Uh, That house will not be livable. Um, And I want to tell you guys that there are some foundational thoughts based on how you view the world There are some key foundational thoughts that become, when you try and live them out, they're actually unlivable. Uh, Jesus talks about this in his parable, right? Um, That the wise man builds his house upon the rock, uh, whereas the foolish person builds his house upon the the sand. Um, You know, when when the weather comes, only one of those houses remains. It's the house that's built on the rock, and I'm under the conviction and the interpretation that the rock is the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's the same confession that Peter makes, um, which is one of the key components as to why I'm a Protestant. I do not see Peter himself being the rock, but he represents the rock. Um, It's the confession that the rock, that that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God. Um, He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. Um, that confession that Jesus is the Christ is the rock, right? Because Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. So the church is built on the confession that Jesus is the Christ. So when we look at that and compare it to Jesus' parable, the rock has to be that Jesus is the Christ. And that means that he is everything who he says he is. And everything that he teaches is true. And it is approved by God. It is from God because Jesus is God. And this is the foundation on which every Christian should build their life. Because after the foundation is built, then the framework, right, um, is built, right? This is the skeleton of what you would consider a worldview. A worldview is anything and everything that consists on how we view reality. It's how we view the world, right? So if our foundation is messed up, our framework is going to be messed up, right? The skeleton in which we view the world what, what are the bedrock ideals that support our framework of viewing the world? And I think framework is our psychology. I think our framework is our cultural context in which we live. Uh, these things frame how we view the world. Um, but that is not the foundation. Um, our cultural context, our place, our space, and our time in which we are born should not be the bedrock on what we view things. Um, our, our bedrock, there, there's something that goes underneath that. And these are some foundational beliefs. How do I view the origin of our universe? 
where did I come from? That is a foundational perspective, right? Now, that foundational view will then um, support uh, how I interact with people within my cultural context, how I view the world. If um, Why am I here? Not just where did I come from, but why am I here? That's another foundational perspective because once again, once I answer the why, I then interact with my world, with my context, with my space very differently. Um, Once again, um, I am not a relativist. A relativist would say that the framework of the house is the foundation, um, which is just simply not true um, because because foundational views um, build on uh, or, or what our cultural context will then build upon. And these cultural contexts can be right or wrong, and we can judge them based off of the truth value of foundational statements. Another question that's foundational is not just where do I come from, why am I here, but where am I going, specifically after I die? Um, this is a foundational question because if, <clears throat> excuse me, if there is a final judgment, for example, for a Christian, if there is an eschatology, if, if there is a moment where Jesus is coming back and everything is going to be laid out and I'm going to be judged based off of how I lived and who I confessed to be my Lord, then I have to act a very specific way. Um, so for a Christian, my foundational views, where did I come from? Well, I came from um, a very uh, intentional mind um, of God, right? And I don't mean I came from the mind of God in the Mormon way that I eternally pre-existed with him and that I am one with him and that I am a God. Uh, that's not what I mean. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, and I, I leave all this to, and I just kind of give you guys the raw podcast. Um, but I come from an intentional God who intentionally made the universe, who intentionally made the world. Um, and from that belief, I understand that the universe, that the cosmos, that all of history has a trajectory. It's going somewhere. Because if I was made from an intentional mind, then there is intention with me and the world around me. Why am I here? Well, I am here. Um, I am here because um, an intentional God made me and I was made for a specific purpose. That specific purpose, according to scripture, was to glorify God, as the word says in Psalm 91, that all creation exists to give God glory, to give him respect, to bring and draw attention to him. That's why I exist. Um, Now, where am I going? (coughs) Well, the world's trajectory is going on a specific direction. The world's trajectory is going on a direction that is away from God because, because humanity decided to rebel against him, to go against his intention, to go against his wishes. And from that point, uh, we are on a trajectory of an eternity without him. However, because God is intentional, because he is good, because he is creative, because he is sovereign, he established a plan to bring us back to himself. So the trajectory of the cosmos right now is going away from God, but God is in process of bringing it back to himself, culminating in the life of Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago. Um, he was conceived and born of a virgin. Um, he lived a perfect life. He died a death that was mine to deserve because he is a representative 
Uh, he is the champion of humanity. He took up that label from his father and he champions my perfect life for me. So he dies my death so I can live his life. He was resurrected. He was raised from the dead three days after he died uh, uh, via crucifixion under Pontius Pilate. He lived uh, on this earth 40 days after, and then he ascended into heaven where he is praying for me. As a high priest, he brought a new covenant. He brought a new promise uh, on behalf of God. And, um, and now we live under this new covenant and he will return to judge the living and the dead based off of, am I aligning my life to him or am I not? Am I part of the redemptive process or am I part of the rebellious process? And so that is where I'm going. Am I going to spend eternity with God when he returns, when Jesus returns in this new heaven and new earth, or am I going to be cast out uh, from his presence forever in what is called hell? That is uh, a Christian foundational framework. Um, a foundation on which my cultural contextual framework then goes on top. All of that being said, I wanted to provide a Christian framework because then we can compare it against the mentality that I really want to talk about today. But first, a word from our sponsors. And this is week number two of me not having a sponsor, but this is what it would be like if I was sponsored. This is exactly where the segment would be. Anybody who is a sponsor, feel free to hook me up. All right, friends, we are back. So this is what I want to talk about today. Why Christians should not get their foundational beliefs from pop culture. My culprit for today is Rick and Morty. Yes, the, the show that's been around for, I don't know, maybe about eight years at this point of this recording. Um, and it became kind of a cultural icon for about the first three seasons and it has completely fallen off the face of the planet for the last uh, three to four seasons. I think we're on season seven right now. In college, I thought I was smart, so I watched the first two seasons, and I thought it was really funny. Um, and, and, and in a lot of ways, it is. It's very sarcastic. It's very much a play on like science fiction. However, I would never recommend it <laughs> because of the ideas that it clearly supports and that it is clearly against. Um, so... You know, it kind of, Rick and Morty kind of plays off this like science versus religion, uh, logic versus faith type of debacle, which is really what's called a false dichotomy. This is, it means like it has to be this way or this way. Um, and, and Rick and Morty lays a false dichotomy in which it has to be faith or fact. Um, when in reality, um, information or facts should support my faith. If, if facts do not support my faith, what I believe in, um, then it does not line up with reality and therefore should be rejected. Um, so when I see Rick and Morty, um, it has some major flaws in its belief system. And ultimately, I'm going to tell you why. Because it is unlivable. Because the answer to these foundational questions do not stand up against the pressure that we receive as we live. And let me tell you why. And, and, and this is not a smear campaign against anyone. 
I do want to use this as an example. It's public knowledge that the creator, well, the co-creator, Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty is uh, in some big trouble um, because of certain allegations that are made against him. Um, now, let me show you guys kind of what I mean. And it comes from a very reliable source. Uh, it does. Uh, I mean, is this is public knowledge. This is from NBC. Okay. So this is not some obscure website. This is like public news. Um, right. So um, I'm reading uh, from the September 13th, 2023 article by Kat uh, Tenbarge. Um, and so here's just some, here, here are some highlights. And once again, I'm going to, I'm going to edit this just a little bit just for any younger audiences. Um, but he, um, but he's in trouble on some like, uh, sexual assault allegations. Um, you know, so he, uh, and, and some of these individuals, some of these girls were, um, were under age, the, uh, under the age of 18, uh, probably around the age, the article says around the age of 16. Um, so as we look a little bit further, um, from the article, it says, um, you know, the one woman who took up Royland on the offer, uh, said that he, uh, sexually assaulted her. Um, he had her perform things that she did not consent to. Um, and once again, this is just me heavily editing there, uh, with another woman, there was, um, there was heavy alcohol involved. Um, and the woman was, uh, you know, inebriated. Both of these women were in their twenties. Okay. Um, at the time Royland was in his upper thirties. So this, this did not have anything to do with, uh, the underage anything. Um, however, uh, there were texts and, you know, stuff like that, that were going on, um, with people who were, uh, who were underage. So, all of this being said, like I said, I just gave a glossary like reading of the article. Um, but once again, it's an NBC article um, by, uh, let me pull the name up, by Kat uh, Tenbarge. Uh, this is the September 13th, 2023 article um, on NBC's website. Um, now, why did I mention this? Let me read you some quotes from Rick and Morty, Okay. And, 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 and let's observe why, um, this person, it, it, why we should not be shocked. Okay. And once again, this is not a shot against Justin Roiland. This is a conversation, a greater conversation about our foundational beliefs. Um, so I'm reading this from a CBR article titled 10 hilariously truthful Rick and Morty quotes, keyword truthful because I want us to actually examine the truth value of some of these statements so that we can understand that this is, that, that to say that this is truthful actually comes from a specific worldview. This is not objectively truthful, but the author, um, assumes the author of the website, uh, the, the, um, sorry, uh, uh, Sid Natividad, um, the author assumes that these things are truthful when in reality, these are just statements, um, let me, let me go to point number eight. Listen, Morty, <coughs> excuse me. Listen, Morty, this is Rick speaking. I hate to break it to you, but what people call love is just a chemical reaction that compels animals to breed. Hilarious, right? Hilarious quote. 
Um, let's go back to uh, the allegations that Mr. Royland is being accused of right now, right? If we boil down love to nothing but a chemical reaction, to nothing but a physical component that actually, um, that actually like coerces humans to procreate and make other humans so that our species survives, this is a fallacy, um, a logical fallacy, which is called, um, this is the correlation causality fallacy. And, and there is a chemical reaction that goes off in your brain, right? That, that compels you to be infatuated with a person. Um, now, if you're infatuated with that person, of course, you'll be more likely to, um, to pursue that person, maybe for a romantic relationship, which may involve procreation, right? But the framework of this idea of where did we come from? Well, we came from uh, I, just people who were tricked by their brain to breed me. That shows that my existence is completely contingent off of a deceptive act that my parents' brain caused them. Um, I am not intentional. But <clears throat> let me actually take it a step further. Here's the, here's the next quote. Here's quote number seven. This is uh, Morty speaking to his sister, Summer. Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. We're all going to die. Come watch TV. That's, that's the tag. That's the joke. Like basically, we're all cosmic accidents. So let's just watch TV. Like let's not think too much about it. Once again, this is not a, this is not a claim that you can say is truthful. You could say that this claim is like harsh. You say this claim is cruel. You could say that this claim is, um, I mean, it's very point blank, but you can't say that it's truthful. There's no way to actually prove that our existence is an accident and that we do not exist on purpose. Um, this, this is completely, um, this is completely faith-based. <laughs> this is more faith-based than Christianity. Um, because at least we have a person that we can date our faith back to, which is Jesus. And we can either prove or deny that he resurrected from the dead because there is an empty tomb still. The tomb is still empty and there is no claim that is uh, uh, less miraculous or more miraculous. Um, sorry, there is no claim that is less miraculous than him actually being raised from the dead. There are claims that uh, an earthquake happened and Jesus' body just kind of rolled in a crack that happened in the tomb, caused the tomb to open. And that's where his body disappeared. Um, there's no record of, a, of, a, of an earthquake of that size or that scale. You go to the empty tomb. There's no massive crack that Jesus could have fallen into. Uh, the, the disciples stole the body is another one. Uh, once again, how are these guys going to overpower some uh, Roman guards that were established in front of the tomb? Uh, how would these, why would these disciples do this if they didn't believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? There's no proof. Why? I, I, I would rather, if, if somebody said that they're God and they died and they stayed dead, I would rather just say, okay, I lost three years of my life, but I'm going to keep living. Um, and I'm going to, I'm just not going to, buy into the delusion. I'm not going to try and sell it. But for some reason, people have bought that belief too. It does, it just doesn't cut it. It does not make sense. Um, mass produced hysteria from the disciples, uh, but that would assume that the disciples, um, uh, presumed that Jesus would rise from the dead. Um, no written evidence shows that the disciples were anticipating Jesus to raise from the dead, even after Jesus told them that he would raise from the dead. 
Um, and in grief produced hysteria does not, it's not multimodal. Jesus invites his people to not just see him, but to touch him, right? Um, and to hear him, right? This is multimodal. Um, hallucinations don't work that way. Uh, Grief-induced trauma does not work that way. Um, let me let me read you a few more quotes because I, I once again I kind of got off track there. Um, but remember, nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. We're all going to die. Come watch TV. Um, here's another one. My life has been a lie. This is from uh, I think this is uh, his name's Morty Jr. Uh, my life has been a lie. God is dead. The government is lame. Thanksgiving is about killing Indians. Christmas wasn't, Jesus wasn't born on Christmas. It was moved. They moved the date. It was a pagan holiday. First of all, December 25th being a pagan holiday has been debunked so many times that I'm not going to spend as much effort explaining that. Um, you know, there is no proof that Christmas was originally a pagan holiday and we painted over it. Um, the closest thing that you could say is that there are elements like a Christmas tree that, uh, pagans also include in their rituals. Um, but, but, but the purpose of Christians like using a Christmas tree and pagans using a Christmas tree are two different things. This is a correlation, not a cause. Um, one thing did not cause the other. It's just these two things happen to share similarities and they're not essential similarities that actually matter. Um, let me see. Oh, one more quote. This is quote number three from the same website. To live is to risk it all. Otherwise, you're just an inert chunk of randomly assembled molecules drifting wherever the universe blows you. This is Rick speaking. Um, life is inherently meaningless unless you make meaning is what Rick is saying. Now let's pause and let's examine these quotes in lieu of Royland's allegations. If Royland truly believes the quotes that he mentioned, that we do not exist on purpose, that love does not really exist, and it just makes us want to make other humans. Um, if, if we don't create our meaning, we get sucked up in the truth, quote unquote, that life is meaningless and we're just a chunk of molecules floating through a universe that doesn't care about us. If all of this is true, he should definitely act the way he wants to act. He should definitely, now I want you to let that sink in. Sink in. He should act exactly how he should act because he's acting his belief out. He is. If life does not have any meaning, why should I value another human? If life has no meaning, why should I value my own life? I should just get drunk. I should involve myself with whoever that whoever I want. There is no objective moral value. There is no God. There is no meaning. There is no intention. So I should live however I want. And I am under the impression that Mr. Royland, if he is, if he is honest with himself, and if these allegations are true, he should feel guilty. He should experience guilt. And moreover, he's trying to prove, he has tried to prove his innocence over this time. However, why does it matter? Go to jail. Take the sentence. Why does it matter that you go to jail? Life has no inherent meaning. But Mr. Royland did not come up with this himself. This, is, this stems back to two world, uh, world views 
that provide foundational answers to our questions, but it's sand, guys. It's sand. This is a quick Google search on the two ideas, right? And I just wanted some good um, definitions. I, I, you know, I've done extensive research in the past on this, but I'm just like, you know what? Here's some Google searches so you can look this up too. Um, from ethics.org.au. What is the, the, what are the views? First thing, this is not me quoting the site yet. Royland's views, at least the views of Rick and Morty, are from existentialism, which is from the French modern era, and nihilism, nihilism, which is from like, it was popularized more in Germany um, around the same era in the modern era. It's, it's it, you, nihilism, think of Frederick Nietzsche, who has this famous saying, God is dead, and we killed him. Um, let me give you the ethics.org.au definition of existentialism. While not necessarily atheist, existentialists believe that there is no divine intervention, fate, or outside forces actively pushing you in particular directions. So existentialism basically believes that there is no inherent meaning to life, there is no trajectory for the universe, but they're positive about it. That any type of meaning that you find in life, you create it. This is what uh, I heard uh, Dr. William Lane Craig say is the noble lie. You are tricking yourself into believing that there is meaning in life so you don't have to think about your impending death too much because life is just absurd at this point, right? Um, so you're tricking yourself into believing that there is meaning when there is none. Here's the definition of nihilism. This is like the Google dictionary definition from Oxford languages, the rejection of all religious and moral principles in the belief that life is meaningless. So it's a rejection of the religious notion that life has meaning, that there is a trajectory where I came from, came from intention. Why am I here is for a specific purpose and where I'm going is a, uh, is a literal consequence based off of um, who I follow in this world. Um, all of this is meaningless. Um, an, uh, another definition from the same site says extreme skepticism, maintaining that nothing in the world has a real existence. Everything that we come up with is convoluted in our minds. Um, there is no moral framework to our universe. In other words, we should act however we want. If you read Nietzsche's book, The Will to Power, um, it's a popular work that basically means that all morality is based off of a power structure. Um, we are told who, how to treat others based off of the people who are in charge, and that shifts whenever power structure shifts. Um, interestingly enough, this was written by somebody who was in power at the time, um, who was in philosophical power at the time, and used his belief to coerce others into thinking the same thing. Now, um, if I were to look up, so this is from, uh, from libquotes.com. Some of the founders of existentialism, this is the French. Uh, here's a quote from Jean-Paul Sartre. Uh, he says, life is nothing until it's lived, but is yours to make sense of. And the of, it is nothing other than the sense you choose. You make your own meaning, right? Choose your own adventure, make it up. 
It has, but, but, but do we live this out? Is this livable? It's not. Because once you, once you start thinking about it too much, you understand that life has no purpose. You will fall into despair and you won't just try and make meaning out of your life. You will seek any type of pleasure to distract you from the lack of meaning in life. This is from Gabriel Marcel, um, same website. Hope can it consists. Hope consists in asserting that there is at the heart of being behind all data, beyond all inventories and all calculations, a mysterious principle which is in connivance with me. Let's, let's break that quote down. Hope basically is against all facts. Hope is actually in controversy, in contradiction with data. In other words, he's telling me I should hope, but it is not reasonable to hope because ultimately life has no purpose. Therefore, I have no hope. I have nothing to truly look beyond um, rather than other than my own life. So I like, let's, let's look at the livability of what happened with Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, once again, simple Google search. How did Nietzsche die? Well, he died of pneumonia in 1900. Let me go to www.smh.com.au. Nietzsche, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, the guy who says that God is dead, we killed him, founded, or at least most, he popularized nihilism. Uh, morality is nothing but a power structure. This guy, um, he, uh, this is a universally accepted story according to this website. Nietzsche also um, suffered from syphilis. Um, he gained syphilis from prostitutes. Um, and he lived his life uh, contracting an STD and finally died of pneumonia. Some believe that it was uh, from uh, syphilis. Um, Nietzsche taught that it does not matter if life has no meaning. You basically live in spite of the facts. Um, you live, basically, you live just to spite this empty universe and prove that no matter how pointless it is, I'm still here. But how did he live his life? He did not live his life according to the power or the ubersmensch, or, which is like the Superman, right? This, uh, this man who, who goes against, more, uh, you know, just beyond good and evil, another work of his. He goes beyond these, con these notions of good and evil and truly just lives in, you know, a, a perfectly fine life in spite of the universe. He lived a sad life, died a sad death, and he lived according to his lack of principles. I'm here to say existentialism and nihilism, nihilism, however you want to pronounce it, it does not work. It is not livable because the moment you think about it too much, you give into despair. You start living however you want. You don't live according to some guiding moral principle. You don't live according to their, 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 their terrible, terrible definition of hope. You cannot live according to these amazing principles that you just made up because it's sand. You'll end up contracting syphilis like Nietzsche. You'll end up sleeping with whoever you want to sleep with. You're going to end up coercing people into doing things for you that they never wanted to do in the first place because of a power structure that you abuse. 
allegedly. But let's not talk about everybody else who followed these worldviews that actually uh, confirmed did these things. According to my research, I don't know, you know, the, the standing on Royland. Once again, this is not a condemnation on him. I am viewing his beliefs. And I'm here to tell you, these beliefs, as I have proven, are not livable. Because the more you think about it, the more absurd it is. You start living however you want. To quote Fyodor Dostoevsky in The Brothers Karamazov, if God does not exist, this is me paraphrasing, God does not exist, everything is permitted. It's only a matter of time, guys. If you do not have a solid framework for why you believe what you believe, you will live according to his own, your own devices. To summarize the book of Judges, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Read the last few chapters of Judges and you'll see what I mean. Read about Samson. Read about the priest and his concubine. Read about the war with the tribe of Benjamin. Once again, these stories are a little NSFW, but I encourage you to read your Bible. Read those last few chapters of Judges, and you'll see Royland, allegedly. You'll see Nietzsche. You'll see the founders of these beliefs that life is inherently meaningless. And you'll see the conclusion of those beliefs. The house crumbles. Because when you make your own definition of hope, that it's against the facts, against the data, that goes against the biblical definition of hope. According to Hebrews, hope, we hope, hope is the confidence in things that is assured for. Right? It is the confidence in things unseen. It is the assurance of things unseen. I do not hope against the facts. I hope according to the facts. Because if the fact is Jesus really lived, really died, really rose from the dead and said he's coming back for me, I have good reason to believe that he is a man of his word. If I go through the Old Testament and I look at every single one of these prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. Over 700 some prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. I'd say that my faith, that my hope is a confident hope. I don't have to go around and believe that just because I'm waiting on one promise, I should despair. I'm waiting on one promise after the hundreds and the thousands of promises that God has made his people. God knows what he's doing. You, listener, if you have given in to the sand of what existentialism and philosophy have taught you, or sorry, existentialism and, and um, nihilistic philosophy has taught you, I assure you, I assure you that you why are you, where, where did you come from? You came from an intentional God, an intentional purpose. Why are you here? You are here for a specific purpose, and it is to bring God glory, to give him the respect that he deserves. That's, as little, that's, a, that's the least you could do after him sending his son to die for you. It's the least you could do. 
He's worthy of it. He's the only one who's worthy of it. And where have you where are you going? I promise you that if Jesus is everything who he says he is and, and he is, are you going to live your life according to your delusions of what life is that you make your own meaning? Look at your life. How well has that worked for you? I guarantee you, you are still empty. You are still seeking something greater because if you weren't, you would not be trying to reinvent your own meaning in life. Where are you going? Because I promise you're going one of two places. And it is with that Jesus forever or it is without him forever. These are the foundational beliefs. These are the foundational questions that every human lives and asks. And I'm telling you, they have answers. You don't make them up. There is real truth. There is objective truth. There is a capital T truth. And not you don't just speak your truth. There is a truth. The fact that these thinkers say that there is no objective truth or objective meaning is a self-refuting statement because they made an objective claim. That means that this is true and this is not. It is true that there is no truth. That is self-defeating because they're proving that they do believe in an objective truth. However, their truth is contradictory truth. It cannot stand against reality. So where their answer is, go more into your delusions. I'm telling you that real meaning, real hope lines up with reality. And another thing, humans do not like to be fooled. Buy the next iPhone and get an iPhone 1 instead of a 16. You could always say, well, I could pretend that it's a 16. But no, you're going to get the feeling that you were gypped and you will want that justified. You cannot just make up your own truth, even if something as trivial as getting the new phone. If that, if that proves that humans like truth, I'm promising you there is a truth that lines up with reality and you do not have to live your life delusional. You can live at peace. You can live at harmony with people around you and you can finally walk in true joy, not temporary happiness that you find wherever you try and make your own truth or wherever you try and make your own meaning, but real lasting joy that goes through the pressure of life and still stands. That is building your house upon the rock. But you choose. I made my choice. You do with it as you will. Hey friends, that was this episode of the Divine Comedy Cafe. I know this was a little heavy, but I want to also address legitimate issues that's going on in the world. And I and I want to maybe do an episode where we can see how these views have infiltrated the church in one sh- way, shape, or form. Um, but let me know what you think. Um, do the podcast equivalent of like, comment, and subscribe. Um, and I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And this is not a one-way conversation. This is a dialogue. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Um, I hope you learn something from it. 
And, uh, and I look forward to hearing, well, I look forward to you hearing me in this next episode of the Divine Comedy Cafe. God bless you. <laughs>